Very glad to have you with us tonight. And uh, welcome everybody online. It is, um, it's, so it's Mother's Day too. And um, we, uh, so I, I, normally we do a huge thing on Mother's Day. But we weren't even sure we were going to be here. So we, we don't have a huge thing, ladies. But on your way out, there is a, we do have a flower for all of the women here today. Okay. So when you go out that way, we're going to, we got a nice rose for all of you. And uh, we just want to celebrate you and all the moms and uh, all the women. Um, because uh, we all end up, you know, you all end up taking care of everybody. So, uh, so it's for all of you. Okay, so that's on the way out. Also, want to let you know, so we're not handing out bulletins anymore. Everything is digital. Um, and if you want to copy and follow along with the notes, just go to vineyardbulletin.com. It'll be right there. Or uh, you can go to the website. Either one of our websites, keysvineyard.com, keysvineyard.info. Look for the Vineyard Hub, and under there will be the sermon notes. Click on those. Or if you have the app. Everybody should be getting the Keys Vineyard app. It's been out now for a year. It has everything listed on there. It makes it really simple. You can just hit, boom, click. It's good on the iPhones and on the Google thing. So get that. Lots of ways to do all of that. But um, we're sort of, everybody's getting a little more digitally focused now. So uh, we'll, we'll probably just keep the bulletins doing that way. All the, every, all the events and everything are on the site. So just check that out. Also wanted to tell everybody, outreaches are going great. We had another great outreach today. And uh, uh, over 300 meals, meal kits, not meals, so about 1,200 meals, uh, along with all amazing amounts of produce and all kinds of other goodies. And uh, thank you again, everybody, for making that possible. Your generosity um, is making all of that possible. And we're getting to bless our community. And that's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. And that's you guys that make that possible. So thank you for doing that. We had a pretty nice write-up this week in, on... Um, uh, and uh, and um, we were on the radio on WLRN, and they talked about some of the stuff that the church was doing. So that's very cool that that happens. Okay, and don't forget, during the week, check out Vineyard Zoom. We're getting better at that. Check out the podcast. We moved our podcast. We were doing it Thursday at 1, uh, Douglas and I. We moved it to Wednesday nights at 7. Um, and that's going to be sort of a fun thing, I think, for a while. And uh, there's plenty of material on the Online Bible Institute for you to stay and, and do what you want to do. But we'll, we'll go with the podcast. We're hoping a lot of you would join on Wednesday nights and just kind of hang out and um, see what's going on. And we'll have special guests. And uh, it, it's going to be uh, really good as we continue to go. Okay. That's the announcements. So we're in a series called Light. Um, we started this when all of this stuff started happening as I was praying about what direction to go and talking about being a light in the world and how important that is and especially in difficult times. And so we're using that as an acronym. Light for love, implore, uh, gather virtually was the G, although I've borrowed that G and already talked about grace. So that's the advantage that I can do that sometimes. But because uh, you can only talk so much about gathering virtually, you guys are doing it. So I don't need to do messages on it, but the G worked. Uh, uh, the H is help and the T is trust. And we we talked last week about trust. This week, I want to jump back and borrow the H and I want to talk about help some more. And we're going to talk today together about what it means to be a servant and how important that is. In everything that's going on. So that's where we're headed. Bad joke time. Oh, you know, right now with everything the way it is, if you invest in these stocks, chicken, beef, and vegetable, you'll be a billionaire in no time. A billionaire. So there you go. That's your tip for me. This is for my friend, Pastor Barry Travis. I don't know if he's going to watch tonight or tomorrow, but I'll keep telling him. I heard that there's a new parish in Louisiana. It's called Bayou Self. By you, self. <laughs> Barry's going to like that. And this is disturbing. I, today I learned that people eat more bananas than monkeys. 
I didn't even know that eating monkeys was a thing. So I'm glad that the banana thing is. I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to do that one or not, but but I kind of like it. Did she talk about eating iguanas? Okay. I can't hear you behind the mask. Here we go. Scripture reading. This is Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 35. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, I, we're, we're going to be talking about that passage, um, but I'm really going to be working us into a great story that you all know, which is the story of David and Goliath. Everybody knows David and Goliath, which uh, is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But we're going to look at parts of 1 Samuel 6, 16. And what I, what I would encourage you to do this week is after I've talked about this, go back and read 1 Samuel 16 and 17 and look for all the amazing things that are going on um, that apply to this idea of, of uh, what it means to be a servant and how we can help. So first point in your notes is this. It's about making a difference in the kingdom of God. Making a difference in the kingdom of God. And I, I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a motivation for all of us. I think we, we all really want to make an impact um, in the world for the kingdom when, as we're part of the kingdom and what that looks like. And I read that uh, passage that we started with because I think sometimes um, uh, people don't really understand what's going on with uh, how Jesus is dealing with his disciples. So they come to him, uh, you know, and, and well, what he says to them when he when they knows what they're arguing about, what they're talking about is basically how are they going to be? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And really, it's, a, it's kind of a good way to deal with this. It's, it's instead of looking at as they were, it was a bad thing. How do we make a difference in the kingdom? How do we have an impact on the kingdom? Because Jesus doesn't rebuke them for that. He explains to them what it means to be great in the kingdom. He says in verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first, if you, if you want to be great, you have to be the very last and you have to be the servant of all. If you really want to be great in the kingdom, if you really want to make a difference in the kingdom, then you have to be a servant of all. And, and so that's so important. And here's what I think is amazing. When, when you get that and when you have a servant's heart and when you're, when you're willing to, to be faithful in the little things, what has, a, it has an amazing way of working out that you'll be in the right place in the right time to do amazing things in the kingdom. That's just the way that, that the whole system works. And it's fascinating to watch that happen. So what is a servant to all? What does it mean? What are we talking about? That's point number two. And it's really about having the heart of a servant. And remember last week, if you were here, or if you listened online, um, I talked about the scriptures being written for our hope and encouragement and our instruction that, that Paul said that in Romans about the Old Testament. And so I want to go back, as I said, and look at a story about David and, and Goliath. But I want to do that with some context so you can see how important all these ideas are. So when you go to read, which I hope you will, beginning in chapter 16, uh, you're going to find this in verse one, that the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So here's sort of the story. Saul was the first king of Israel and uh, he started out well, but he, it quickly went to his head. 
And all of a sudden, he quit listening to God, and he quit listening to the prophets, started doing his own way. And so God said, okay, we're not going to have that, and I'm going to anoint a new king. And so he says to Samuel, listen, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Jesse has a lot of sons, and I want you to um, anoint one of his sons king. So what, what's happening is that God is taking that kingship, that position of influence from Saul, and he's giving it to one of Jesse's sons. So Jesse brings his kids out. And, and uh, uh, Saul looks at all of them, and he, he, uh, the older sons are all coming, and it's none of them, you know, and each, each son is coming by. Jesse has a lot of boys. And they get down to what he thinks is the last one, and it's none of them. And, uh, and he says, do you have any other sons? And he goes, yeah, there's one more, but it's, it's not going to be him. It's David. Uh, this is sort of the youngest son, and he's not much, you know. But um, David comes by, and sure enough, Samuel says, no, this is the one. God says to Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him king. And so he anoints him as king. He puts that anointing of kingship on David at that point in time. That's in the beginning of 1 Samuel 16. Now, Saul is still king and will still operate as king. But the anointing for king is is already on David here as a young man. And if you continue to read uh, 16, you find out chapter 16 at the end of it that uh, uh, David is going from time to time to Saul's palace where he's sort of the worship leader when Saul is having bad days. And then he's coming back and he's a shepherd there um, for his dad taking care of the sheep's, uh, sheep. But he already is king. Well, that story then picks up in 1 Samuel 17, chapter 1. Now... The Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. And they pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Soko and Azekah. I think I've told you the secret about reading Old Testament names and places of names. Is just say it like you know what you're saying. Because uh, I have no idea how you pronounce any of those, really. But if you say it with some authority, people believe you know exactly what you're talking about. So that's how you deal with Old Testament places and towns. All right. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. And uh, so that's sort of the picture. And then it goes on in verse 16. And it says, For 40 days the Philistine Goliath came forward every morning and evening and took his stand and made his threats against the armies of Israel. So that's what's going on in this, in this situation. You've got the Philistines on one side and you've got the, the armies of Israel on the other side. There's a valley in between and there's, they're, they're, they're at war and yet all they're doing is lining up for war every day. And Goliath comes out and says, somebody send out your best warrior to fight me. And if they win, you guys win. But if I win, we win. Um, so that's what's taking place. Now, back home, um, they're not sure what's going on in the battle. They're the, the folks that are home and they're curious to know. Jesse is curious to know because his sons, most of his sons, have been gone now for 40 days. This is a farming community. And so your sons are a big part of your labor force. And 40 days is a long time. A, a lot of you last week sometimes hit 40 days of being uh, different. And so you know how long 40 days feels. Well, they're dealing with this 40 day thing. So Jesse says, I got to find out what's going on. And he calls David in. And uh, he tells David this. He says, listen, verse uh, 17. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, 
Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So... Um, in other words, he says, David, listen, I need you to take some food for your brothers. And uh, see, David's attitude here could have been different because he's already been anointed king. He could have said, hey, I'm anointed king. What are you doing sending me on these little errands? Uh, you were there when Samuel came. You know what was going on. But uh, that's not what he does. And it's been 40 days. Nobody knows what's going on. There's not news coverage or anything. They think there's this big battle been going on for 40 days now, which was a long time for a battle. They don't know that nothing has really happened. They're just kind of threatening uh, one another. And so nothing's going on. And 40 days have happened. And Jesse says to David, will you go? And here's what happens. Verse 20. Uh, early in the morning, David left the flock with his shepherd, uh, loaded up. And set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. So, um, again, as we're sort of developing this story and what's going on, um, we see that David rises up early in the morning and he leaves. Um, first, he leaves the sheep with a, a shepherd, somebody who'll watch over him. And he takes the, the, all the stuff that Jesse wanted him to take and he takes off. Now, this is really at the heart of this story of David and Goliath. Um, sometimes we just think it's the battle and everything that happens. But it's these details that are weaved in this story that, that really makes the story. So what you see right off the bat, here's David, uh, already anointed king, but that's not, you know, he's not, you know, taking, hey, I'm the king. He, he does what he's asked to do. He listens to his father, which is scriptural. You honor your mother and father. We saw that verse today. Uh, and, and he's listening to the word of God because he he's understands that he needs to obey that. Um, he, he also thinks, uh, uh, I'm going to take care. I'm going to leave these sheep so that they're cared for. I'm not just, well, you tell me to go do this, so I'm not going to do that anymore because the sheep are his responsibility. So he makes sure that they're cared for on this journey. Uh, you know, so you see the picture of him. He's stewarding all the little things that have been given to him. He's being a really good servant because that's what servants do. Uh, he goes to the camp uh, and uh, he, as he gets there, they're, they're going, you know, they're going to go set up in their positions for a war. And, you know, I imagine he's thinking, wow, I mean, you know, I'm here. I'm going to see what this going on. I'm going to see the battle. And, and uh, you know, I've been busy back at the house, really taking care of my stuff and, and helping out, you know, the, around the farm. And because none of the other brothers are there, I've been busy. I'm going to go and see what's taking place. Uh, and he sees them all lining up for, for battle. So that, you know, they're just kind of bringing you into the story. And then here comes Goliath. Uh, and he's doing this daily taunt that David doesn't know about, but he's about to. But before then, it says he, David leaves his things with a keeper of supplies. So again, he's showing what a good steward he is and of all the little things. He was told to go do this. He's taking care of everything along the way. He doesn't just drop everything off and go run and see his brothers. He makes sure that there's someone to take care of the stuff that he has. Uh, and then he goes to see his brothers. And while he's there... Goliath steps out and taunts Israel the way he'd been doing. But now David hears him. See, David ends up at the right place at the right time to make a 
big difference in the kingdom because he's been taking care of all the little things. See, that's, that's the whole thing in the kingdom is, is that, that if we're faithful with the little things, that the other things, God sort of works into our lives. And, and you know, something I can tell you when, you, when you're a servant at heart, you'll be shocked at how often you're at the right place at the right time to do something significant. It's, it's like you, you can't orchestrate it. it. It's just by staying on track. You know, I always call it doing the next right thing. It's amazing how often doing the next right thing will put you in a place where you get to do something that has significant impact in the kingdom. Now, the rest of the story is great. You know the story. David is going to slay the giant. Um, but, but the real story of that is this idea of being a servant and all the little things so that you're right place at the right time to make a difference in the kingdom. Uh, and there's some other really cool things that go on that I want to share with you. And I'm, I'm hoping that you pick them up as you read the scripture. Um, but I tell you how all the scripture ties together and always be looking for Jesus and all the things that are happening. All right. So when you look at that spot where Goliath comes out, it says that he's wearing scale armor. Uh, and that's significant because it's... Uh, uh, snakes have scales, and, and we remember from Genesis the role that the serpent played in all of this. And one of the most important verses in the Bible is Genesis 3.15, because it's where the crimson thread of redemption starts. And so we, we talk about this verse often. Uh, God says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, ultimately, that's going to get played out at the cross. But there's all these pictures of things that happen along the way. And, and, and so Goliath is wearing scale armor. He looks like a serpent. Look what David's going to do to him because... The serpent's head needs to be crushed. And so, verse 45 of 17, 1 Samuel 17. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army, of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword and when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. So here's this picture. Uh, Goliath is in this scale armor. David uses a stone to crush his head, makes the point by then taking his head uh, off the rest of the way. All right, he severs his head. And now the rest of the story continues on. So in verse 54, what we find out is that David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. You might skip over that. And you'd miss something really amazing that happens at this point in time. So, in this point in history, Jerusalem isn't like the center of Israel. Uh, it's, it's not uh, where the temple is. That hasn't happened yet. None of those things have happened. It's just a Jebusite fortress. David hasn't gone in and conquered it. The temple's not there. None of those things. It's a, it's a Jebusite fortress at that point in time. And yet, David goes 
to Jerusalem at the time, just outside Jerusalem, and he takes the, the giant's head there. And what he would have done there is he would have put the giant's head on a pole for everybody to see. They were making a statement. And the head would have sat there and birds would have picked at the head over time until it was a skull on a pole. Now, why did David do that? What did David know uh, about what's taking place? Now, if you jump ahead a thousand years, what you find out is that Jesus is crucified just outside Jerusalem at a place called the skull. Remember that? It's fascinating. Matthew 27, 33, they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Well, another really cool thing about Golgotha is, you know, we, we translate that now. We take that word and we make it Calvary, which is cool. It works. But Golgotha, think about, think about this, Goliath of Gath, Golgotha, the place of the skull. See, David did that because he knew that a thousand years later, what was going to happen was that Jesus was going to go to the cross and that he was going to take care of everything that needed to be taken care of there and that every giant that would ever come into our lives would be slain and dealt with when Jesus went to the cross and died and defeated death and rose again. And it's a picture of all that happening uh, in this whole journey. And all of it's possible because Jesus was a servant. Jesus was a servant. Matthew twenty twenty eight. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, see, the idea of, of being a servant is huge. And, and, and it's the attitude of Jesus that we need to have. All of us need to have the attitude of Jesus. Great passage in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Paul says we need to think of ourselves the way, the way Jesus thought of himself. And how did he think? Because, because that's important for us. What's the attitude that we have? And here again, you see this picture of, you know, Jesus was born a king. Uh, and yet he lived the most humble life. He served his father. He obeyed the word of God. He cares for his sheep. He, he, he takes care of everything that's given to him. He demonstrates throughout his life what it means to be a servant. And then he willingly went to the cross and became the greatest servant of all so that we could have life. See, see it's in that attitude that things really begin to change. I have one sort of little illustration that I want to end with. And I think it's very helpful. I read this illustration. And, and it's, a, it's an illustration of a bucket. And let me say this, that, that all of us, each one of us is a bucket. If you don't want to be a bucket, it doesn't matter. We're all a bucket. Now, you're the bucket in one of two ways in your life. Either we walk around throughout the course of our lives with our bucket, looking for people to fill up our bucket. All the people in relationship with, we just want them to pour into us. That's all that we really care about so that we feel good about ourselves. And so we, we're just sort of uh, allowing people to pour into us. Uh, that's one way it happens in, in, in the life. Or we're the bucket who goes around doing everything that we can to pour into others. That that's our heart's desires. We want to empty out that bucket and, and we want to pour onto other people what they're doing. See, one is selfish 
and one is servanthood. And we decide every day what kind of bucket we're going to be. And a servant is always looking for ways that they can pour into others and make sure that others know about Jesus. See, that's at the heart of all of this. And when that's your heart, when that's your willingness, you will be amazed at how often you're in the very right place at the very right time to make a significant impact for the kingdom in people's lives. But it all starts with being willing to do the little things, the next right thing that we're called to, and just living that way, and then letting God take care of everything else. And it's amazing to watch it happen. So if you get a chance... Go and read that story in detail, um, chapter 16 and 17, and look for all the little things that are happening and how cool they are. Let me also say this, that the whole idea of being a servant, it starts with coming to know Jesus. You, you can't really get this until you've given your life to Jesus. And I want to encourage you, because there's a lot of you watching online, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior... Do it now. And it's really, it's, it's that simple. We, we just get before God and we pray this simple little prayer. God, please forgive me of all my sin. And Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. And be my Lord and Savior. And, and if you pray that prayer, that's the beginning of everything. That's what it means to, to come to know Jesus, to be born again, to be born anew, to be saved. All those things happen with that prayer. And, and I'm hoping that you've prayed that prayer. That some of you prayed that prayer for the first time. We've been having people week after week pray that prayer with me online. And I want to encourage you if, you, if you prayed it with me, let me know so that I can celebrate with you. And we'll, we'll automatically send you some stuff to help you on this journey. And so if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to text the word HEART. H-E-A-R-T to our text in church number 305-745-7513. Please do that so that we can help you on this journey. It's the best decision you'll ever make. And it's the word heart. Don't send a heart emoji. It doesn't work. All right? It's the word heart. Text that and, and uh, it's the best choice you will ever make. And I, I'm praying that you made it and you'll let us know. Also, um, I, I want to thank everybody again for your amazing generosity um, and and. It allows us to continue to make a big difference in the community. And so for those of you watching online, um, if you can give, continue to give digitally. And I know a lot of you aren't in a spot to do that right now, and that's cool. No pressure. But uh, for those of you that are able, there's several ways to do that. You can text uh, that, that uh, amount to us, or you can go to the website, and there's places to donate on there uh, with credit cards. Or you can mail in uh, whatever you want to do. Um, that's the, the address. If, if you can, guys, thank you so much, and I appreciate everything that you've done um, for that. And for those of you that are in the room now, their offering boxes are on their way out. And doxology, we haven't been able to sing that much, and so uh, I've been missing that. So let's sing that together. Uh, uh, here we go. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. Go tonight in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for watching online. And we look forward to seeing all of you very, very soon. So. Thanks for watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. 
For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.